0: Hello there. It's time for Most Things Kenobi. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Lauren. And I'm your host, Leanne. And this week I am extremely happy
1: (laughs) because we're going back to some Andor stuff and I'm ready. I really didn't realize how much I missed this show until I was trying to find what my favorite quotes are, which, please, we'd have to do a (laughs) five-part series to cover all of them for real. Honestly, I feel like just the whole script, it's such a good script
0: I this was hard to narrow it down to three. I just went with the top three that came to mind, but these are not by any means an exhaustive list.
1: Well, I, I think we can all agree before we get into these that Luthens monologue, his speech, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know the one. Oh yes. That mm. one is the my favorite. Yeah. And we're we're actually just gonna skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's the top tier of topness, of top greatness of of all and or greatness, everything all at once in one monologue, <laughs> and it's Luthen's, so we're, yes. we're gonna we're gonna shelve that one because that's the obvious implied best quote. <laughs> <laughs> These quotes would not be the same if different actors performed them. You know, I. It's so funny you say that because as i was researching like which one am i actually going to choose it really hit me the performance is what drives this writing yeah and any yes. any other person it wouldn't have had as much impact i really truly believe that yeah i actually
0: just listened to an interview with tony gilroy recently because they were ask they were asking him about writing and i just you know i eat
1: that shit up mm-hmm. for breakfast and <laughs> you eat shit for breakfast? Pretty much. <laughs> Please tell me everyone knows that reference, that movie reference. If not, I'm sorry, it sounds awful. Adam Sandler. I don't Lee. think
0: I was gonna say I don't think I know that reference.
1: It's Happy Gil Happy Gilmore. Oh, oh my god, I haven't seen that for such a long time. You know what's funny is I almost said Happy Gilroy. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> we're just make it up movies now. Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> anyway.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. he was saying that they had the first probably block done, which is like three episodes, the first three episodes done, and they were casting. They had their cast put together, and then he was seeing like what they were doing with his script, and he was like, it made it easy then going forward to write for these actors because they're so
1: skilled. I totally believe it. I totally believe it because, wow, there's so many well-delivered lines. And, yes. But there's also, it's not just, these are not just one-liners. I had to pick Mm-mm. a line out of a giant scene or, like, monologue, you know, and pick the yes. heart of that. Yeah. And why it meant something to me. And, yeah, it, this is just really I actually have five. Quotes. I do well I wrote the whole scenes out so. oh okay so I mean <laughs> I will try and pick the three out of the five that I have here and if we have time maybe we'll do honorable mentions I don't know it's just this whole show is just so fantastic so so
0: how did how did you organize yours are you going by like what episode came first or like your favorite one how did you
1: categorize no, yours? I, I mean I went with the ones that. I still remember and I remember them for a very touching, moving reason. Yeah. I guess so. And then, but like I misremember things, right? So I had to go and re-watch the scene or at least look up what the full quote was so I don't misquote it. And then mm-hmm. I ended up watching these scenes over and I'm just like, this is so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And so I really just went with what I remembered. Because if you remember it, it stuck out to you, right? Right, exactly. Well, I, I think we should probably do some and or rewatch. <laughs> probably. I think we should. I think it's necessary, it's needed after this, and it's yeah it's really a show that I could watch over and over and over. Same. And I
0: think you would get something different out of it every time, but Okay. So do you want to go first?
1: Do you wanna give your oh, first quote? Oh god, well uh... <laughs> uh, Yes, I'll go. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm not, I I guess of the ones I wrote down, besides Luthen's speech, the one I have here is between Cassian and Marva, and it's probably my top, one of my tops, and it's, Cassian says, I'll be worried about you all the time, and Marva says, that's just love, nothing you can do about it, and, I literally have goosebumps, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The way she has the tears in her eyes, her shaking, the quivering of her voice. Yeah. The fact that she's like subconsciously loving him for what he's saying and telling him it's okay. You know, it's just that's a mother. That's a mother's love. And a son's worried, like, he's worried about her and he wants to take care of her and he doesn't want to leave her. And the whole exchange is just beautiful. Honestly, that's just love. Nothing you can do about it. She says it so matter of so It's so practical. Like, that's just love. Nothing you can do about it. But it, there's so much more in it. And and this is where I want to highlight the fact that the delivery and the acting on this part is unmatched. Yes, she's able to
0: convey so much pain and that bittersweetness of being a parent, of like loving somebody so much that you're willing to let them go because that's what's
1: best for that person. It's so hard. Ugh, and it it's gutting, yeah. I wanna know how many takes they took on that one. Because if it was multiple, fucking kudos, because <laughs> yeah. it would be one of those scenes that would drain <laughs> me if I had to do it more than once. But if they did it one time, kudos to the nth degree because Yeah. That's that's some fucking skill. These people are they are top-notch actors and actresses.
0: They're all honestly to a T too good for Star Wars.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have stuff like uh walking carpet, you know, and and then we have this stuff from Andor. I mean, we we love both for what they are. <laughs> yes,
0: they're different
1: they're different
0: entities completely yeah. and I like that though. I like Yes, that. I like that. I do too. This actually is growing Star Wars. So that's why I, why I always wanted to write fan fiction is because I wanted to like elevate Star Wars. Not that Star Wars is not elevated, because it's all as obviously we've done how many shows yeah. now uh, all about this. But I wanted to see like what it would be like if you took Star Wars and turned it into like classic literature, and mm-hmm. this is basically what it would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is like Dostoevsky or you know like Yes. Basically Andor is if you turn Star Wars into something classical.
1: So yes, yeah. yes. Well that's my first one out of this list.
0: Oh, it's so good. That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. Honestly. Yeah, it,
1: it really it stuck out to me and it had to be on this list. It's just it's so it's just so good. I mean Marva has a lot of good things to say. She's on my list three times, but Honestly, I, we
0: could do a whole episode just about Marva and her yes. amazing acting, her amazing dialogue, everything about hers. I love, I
1: love Fiona Shaw with like, yeah, my she, whole heart. She, she really, I, she should know how much she's loved. I hope she does. So what's yours? My God. Well, my, my first
0: one is also a Cassian quote. It's from the episode, The Axe Forgets. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about all my quotes already in other episodes, but I'm gonna I wanted to talk about them again because I want to like deep dive into it a little bit more. Yeah. So this is the one where they're on their way to Eldani mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Skeen puts a knife to Cassian's throat and like starts this little fight. Yes, this is so and good. <laughs> it's such a great scene. And Terramin says, You think we're scared? And Cassian says, I know you are. And he says, of course I'm afraid, because they accuse him of being scared. And he says, of course I'm afraid, but there's a difference between fear and losing your nerve. You want out of this? Make a choice. Don't use me as an excuse. I I love that. It's brilliant. It's it's so brilliant. And we discussed this before, that one of the reasons I love this scene is it doesn't go the way most people would write this scene, right? It would usually turn into a pissing match, but Mm -hmm. what it... What it really is showing, and this is why I love Cassian's character so much, it shows that, yes, he knows how to control his fear, and he has since he was a child. You know, he lost his parents, his sister, his adoptive parents, like his father, adopted father, was murdered in front of him. He was sent to prison. Mm -hmm. All of this shit taught him to control his fear, but this also shows... That he is really intelligent, intuitive, and perceptive. Like, he has a full understanding of everyone in this group, but never says it out loud unless he has to. Yeah, and they totally underestimate him. They think he doesn't. They don't know a thing about him, because he's really closed off and good at protecting himself, but he's reading everybody in the room and can... Not just manipulate that, but, like, use that to protect himself. And that's basically, like, what he's doing in this scene. And I just,
1: oh, God, I love it so much. I really think that this, that line is very inspiring. Because Mm -hmm. if I could, if if I could, I'm doing it right now. I can remember (laughs) numerous times where I am fucking scared to do something. Make a big life decision, right? Get on an airplane for 10 hours at a time. I'm scared. I'm I'm openly scared about doing that. Or I was. (laughs) But you have to remember there's a difference between feeling the fear and doing it anyways, which is don't lose your nerve. Yes. And going into a thing like Aldani, they would be fools to say, oh, I'm not scared." scared. Fear keeps you protected in a way. Yeah. But not losing your nerve is pushing past that and getting a job done and doing what needs to be done like Cassian has always done right up until what happens in fucking Rogue One. Exactly. That yep. is scary shit. And the, and the best part is if you think about Jin, she's right there with them. Mm -hmm. she knows the difference between being scared and not losing your nerve it's really refreshing actually to see
0: a hero who's afraid courage is not the absence of fear courage is doing a thing in spite of fear and it's really interesting too because he kind of doesn't display fear as filmmakers they keep him very kind of neutral in a way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's just there observing kind of making his way He needs them to trust him, but not because he believes in their cause, but because he doesn't he wants to survive and walk away. Right. That's what he's trying to do. So I just find this so interesting because it's and this is actually something I'm gonna say about another quote I have. Still waters run deep with this character. Mm -hmm. What you see on Cassian's surface is not the whole story. Mm -mm. And I love that. It's so It's so satisfying to watch it unfold.
1: It's really a testament to how good of a rebel spy he ends up being. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything that he's gone through leading up to when he becomes uh, a rebel is really what sets the stage for him becoming so successful. And (laughs) he hasn't lost his humanity because we see in Rogue One he doesn't shoot Jin's father like he's supposed Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. He's still, th- he's very cerebral. He thinks things through, he observes, he reads the room. This quote, I mean, and, and the the best part is, is the writing. You could say exactly what he said and make it a whole paragraph, but he did it in one line.
0: Right. And this would normally, like, turn into a fist-punching, like, yeah. like we said, like a pissing match between yeah. these two men, but... What he's really doing is pointing out, like, it's normal, first of all, that you're all afraid, but don't use me as like yeah, an exactly. excuse that you're scared. Leave me out of your bullshit. And I just... Well,
1: <sighs> it's so much easier to put it on someone else, right, than to carry the weight of it yourself. And that's yeah. very human. But he recognizes that. And he's, like, one step ahead of these people at all times in this. I, I just love the whole yeah. Aldani. Everything about Aldani is great. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, like right up to when he shoots Skeen, it's like he's still, even though he, Skeen is like revealing his ploy and that he's a liar all at once. Cassidy makes a decision in a split yeah. second because, and I've heard Diego Luna talk about this. If someone asked him why his character mm-hmm. killed him so quickly, and he said it was the first time he realized how dangerous it was to have people around you that could
1: betray you and that you couldn't trust. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. Well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, somebody like that is skiing is never going to change.
0: No, clearly not. You're
1: not going to change his mind. You're not going to talk him out of it. He'll just betray you down the line by playing you a fool again. So yeah, gotta go. Okay. Well, what's another one of yours? I I chose this one because it's part of a, I I remember the first time I heard this in the scene and I fucking cheered. So this is why (laughs) this quote is on this list. And it's part of a much bigger entity of things, which we know the quote is never more than 12 by Kino Loy. Oh man. And the reason I chose this is number one, it was at this moment, cause they're asking him how many guards, how many guards, how many patrolmen, whatever. And he's been denying and denying, and I'm not getting involved. Just put your head down and do your work. We're all try- trying to get out of here, right? Push away, push away, push away. And at that point, he's in. Yeah. And he answers, Cassian, never more than 12. And I fucking love this moment because Andy Serkis, okay, I fucking love this man. But <laughs> I do But <too. laughs> his character wanted nothing to do with any of this, right? He just wanted out. It's kind of parallel to Cassian. He didn't want anything to do with this rebellion and- Once he saw and was in, he knew he had to be devoted. And Kino's the exact same way. It got to a point where he could no longer be a bystander. And when he said never more than 12, that was the moment he committed to doing what ended up happening. And it was everything beyond that is just beautiful. As a supplement, his speech, when he repeats what Cassian says, I'd rather die trying to take them down than die giving them what they want. Yes. is is like the full circle of him saying never more than 12 because he commits to that before he even realizes like that's what's going on. So mm-hmm. I cheered when he has his hands <laughs> behind his back in the hallway and he says never yes. more than 12. And I, I remember oh, I, so I said, yes, he's in. He's fucking in. He's in. Like, here we go. You know, <laughs> you know, he's like crossed a point of no return. That's it. That and I, I love when characters do that. They make yeah. that choice and they move forward and it's the heroic thing to do. It's going to be risky. It's going to cost, you know, it's never free. The choices yeah. are never free. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have one way out without the words never more than 12. So that's very true. It's very true. I think that...
0: Episode where he says that, and then they come to the next episode, that's where he and Cassian are kind of, like, working together to kind of make a plan. I love all that dialogue between them.
1: Yes, It's so good. And
0: those, those actors together, it's, like, it's so dynamic. I just... Fucking love it. I
1: can't get enough of it. <laughs> I, I know. And, and I want to go on and do the whole speech that Kino gives because he's so apprehensive at first. He does He's unsure of himself. He's not a speech giver. He's just yeah. a hard working man who just was good at what he did there. And, and he's been betrayed. He had no idea that they were fucking with him, you know? And so yeah. he liberates these other prisoners with his words and his encouragement and his leadership. And I know I'm slipping in more quotes, but it's all part of this. <laughs> <laughs> he says something like, if we work as hard to get out of here as we do work every day, we'll 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 be home or something yeah. to that effect. And it's like so fucking moving because these guys are hard workers and they thought they were going to get out every day, just one more day. One more day gets knocked off their sense, But it wasn't anything mm-hmm. like that. I, it's just, it's fucking brilliant. This fucking show is a... Br- I'm getting excited. <laughs> I just... <laughs> <laughs> Andy Serkis is the perfect Kino Loy. I'm sorry. <laughs> like He is. He is because
0: you believe his strength, you believe his fierceness, and then you believe when he breaks. Yes. And it's just <sighs> so sincere and fucking
1: devastating. It's so and... devastating. Oh, God. Anyway, that's my choice. Oh, I, could I love talk it. Ab- oh. I could talk about the whole prison arc. Oh, my God.
0: Yes. I want to. We didn't really dive into that too much when we were doing our uh, recaps. And there's like little details in there I want to talk about. Like how Cassian notices right from the beginning that they're understaffed. Gets one of the first things he notices that there's extra boots on the wall, which means there's not enough people there to keep them under control. Oh, there's so many little details, Leanne. On the detail
1: of... <laughs> The shape of the prison itself is the empire symbol, which is also yes. the shape of Mon Mothma's hallway door, which is also her personal prison. We've talked about this. We shared pictures on our Instagram and Twitter of the shape, yeah. that pentagon, I'm sorry, not pentagon, hexagon, octagon, it's an octagon. It's, I think it's six. <laughs> you know what it actually is? I looked is it, it, it up. It's
0: the separatist symbol. Oh, the separatist. Ah, yes. Right? Yes, yes. I mean, it was, because I thought it was the empire symbol, too, and the empire has one extra side, I believe. You're right, though. And so, it's the separatist symbol that they've been using, which I think is so interesting. That's even more interesting to me. Like, why would they choose that?
1: I know why (laughs) they would choose that. There's a, oh, there's a whole bunch of reasons. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, anyway. (laughs) What's your next one? I can't wait to hear.
0: (laughs) Okay, my next one is a Mon mothma quote. Uh-oh. I love this so much. It's from the episode announcement. Uh-huh. And she's talking to tay in their the little party that they're throwing at their house. Yes, yes, yes. And uh she's
1: <laughs> It's on my list too. <laughs> is it? Oh, yes. My... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs>
0: So she's she's trying to, like, figure out how she can confide in him because she needs his help. But they're both not quite sure where they actually stand politically yet. And they realize they both hate the Empire, like, very extremely. And Mon Mothma says, um, she's talking about the perception of herself. Mm -hmm. And she says, it's a lie. The Mon Mothma people think they know is a lie. It's a projection. It's a front. I've learned from Palpatine, I show you the stone in my hand, you miss the knife at your throat. Yes. Holy fuck. I just, when I heard that line the first time, I paused it, because I was like, that is one of the most beautiful pieces of prose. Like, the yes. dialogue is is beautiful, and it's delivered by Genevieve and Ben Miles, who plays Tay, just, like, to perfection, mm-hmm. but What I love is the deeper implication of it, that it's a glimpse into Mon Mothma's silent intellect, right? That, Mm -hmm. again, still waters run deep. What you see on the surface is not what's going on underneath. And she, to a careless observer who's not really paying attention, because if you are paying attention, she kind of does play her hand and tip her hand a little bit with her passion and her compassion and all of that. Mm-hmm. But shes we're also seeing that she's like duplicitous, right? Now we're actually seeing how she does have multiple existences. She has to translate who she is into different worlds. She has to deal with the Empire, but she's also creating this rebellion, this underground. And it also shows this line I show you the stone in my hand, you miss the knife at your throat. We're seeing her willingness
1: to be ruthless in a way we never saw in the Clone Wars. We saw it in Palpatine. I think it's extremely important that she quotes Palpatine. Mm-hmm. That's what he's been doing all along. Yeah. It's truly amazing. <laughs> For her to see, like, Palpatine's
0: yes. true intentions, yes. even yeah. back in the Clone Wars, you know? Mm-hmm. And. She's not afraid to use his own tactics against Mm-mm. him. Mm-mm. This is a
1: woman I admire. <laughs> yes. I, I got to say, I have the second half of that quote as on my list. Oh, do you? I do. <laughs> oh, that's great. May I read it? Because it yes, goes please. perfectly. She please. says in the same dialogue, this prose, as long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. Yes. And it settles over... Um, her bestie there. What's his name? Tay. Tay. It settles over, and there's a moment, and then she's like, "Smile. Don't forget to keep the mask on." You yes. know. Oh and my god, she- it's so it's- good. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> she's so fucking charming. It's so good because my god. <laughs> There's, there's a lot to unpack in just that. She is a multidimensional woman on a mission. And the yeah. stakes are getting higher and she's ready to play. Like, she's really ready. Like, for a while, she kind of second guesses. Like, what are you doing when she talks to Luthan in the museum? Yeah. She's like, don't you know that, like, poking them is going to start shit? And he's like, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. So for a while, she was a little afraid. But just like all these other characters we've been talking about, once they commit, they're in. There's no yes. turning back. Yes,
0: you're so right. That is like the theme, right, within this show. That these characters are, like, she in particular, and actually Cassian and Keener Loy, they're all surrounded by danger. Every area of their life is dangerous. You know, she's got a spy as her driver, but also she can't trust her husband. Her daughter hates Mm. her guts and would probably sell her out because of all of that she's not only just backed into her corner where at this point you know who's she gonna turn to but herself mm-hmm. she has only herself to rely on and the fact that she doesn't shrink away and disappear and go hide somewhere instead, she does the complete opposite where she openly opposes the empire empirical overreach mm-hmm. you know I just think it's, she is one of the most fascinating characters. I'll say female characters, but just characters in general in Star Wars because of this writing, but also Genevieve's performance as well. Just so fucking good. Oh my God. I could watch her all day. I could watch her read the phone book and
1: I'd be happy. I want to touch on the fact of their choice in scene, setting this scene and having this moment between her and, and she and Tay. They could have had them alone in a room, but no, they kept him out, right? Kept Mm -hmm. him moving, kept the, you know, the people around and stuff. And the fact that she's whispering makes Mm -hmm. it even more impactful. She's so composed and she has like the straight spine and the poise of a senator and all this flashiness and the the opulence of this party and all these double-crossing people you know she's surrounded by. And she's still having this conversation just slightly under just not quite a whisper, not quite a, you know, a, a lo- it's a, just a low hum of a tone. Mm-hmm. And and he's just absorbing it and she's coaching him through it. Like, just smile, don't don't look away, just bear with me. You know, yeah. I know my, my yeah. political endeavors are hard for you, to may not be your taste or something. And she's she's kind of being <laughs> wily, but she's keeping it at a whisper. And I think it was brilliant because there could have been a thousand different ways they could have had this scene, but they chose to mm-hmm. have her whisper and there's something really impactful yeah about the whispered aspect of her delivering all of these lines it's really really cool <laughs> i think it shows that she
0: has nerves of steel even mm-hmm. though we don't think she does and she shows vulnerability for sure which is very human and realistic but when it comes down to it this
1: this woman has got Some cojones. (laughs) I mean, that's why she ends up leading this shit. I mean, I think it's... Seriously. I would follow her to any end.
0: Yes. Yeah. She's amazing. And
1: And you know uh, what? If her and Marva ever met, I think they would have really liked each other. They would have respected the hell out of each other.
0: Yeah. I'm very excited to see how she meets Cassian. Mm -hmm. Because we know she does. She's in the room with him in Rogue One. So there is some moment where... Their cross, their paths are going to cross. So that will be interesting to see. Uh, I also want to note in this scene, if you listen to the music, it's very Andor esque, mm-hmm. but it also has this like humming building in the background, like mm-hmm. building up in the background that is almost identical to the background that's going on in Return of the Jedi when Luke is fighting Vader in front oh, of the my Emperor. Goodness.
1: I have to rewatch. I, I I just watched it. I didn't pick up on any of that because <laughs> I'm so enthralled by watching her speak, Genevieve, and yeah. the delivery of her entire beach or line or conversation or whatever. Yeah, I need to go mm-hmm. back and listen. That's very cool. I didn't I didn't pick was, up on that. I, I noticed it the first time I watched it, even,
0: because it grows really slowly. You don't notice it at first, and all of a sudden, you're like, what am I? Like, there's well, something that-, that catches about... It catches your attention. Yeah, once you notice that. Ugh. Yes. It's like the emperor's overbearing presence, you know? I hate the fucking emperor. I
1: hate you, palps. <laughs> Fuck you, palps. so good. <laughs> Pong Krell gets a day off. <laughs> so was that your number
0: three? That I mean, quote?
1: yeah but I have another
0: okay well go for it then
1: (laughs) I mean this could be my three I have to go back to Marva (laughs) nice I love her (laughs) this moment is so poignant it's during the clanking the miners and they're all clanking and it's for a reason it was brilliant but she says gets to you doesn't it that's what a reckoning sounds like you want it to stop but it just keeps coming it's when it stops that's when you'll really want to start to fret.
0: And oh she's God, right.
1: So because when it stops, all fucking hell breaks loose. Yep. And yep, cuz what the sound is the build up. It right? is. And they're distracting with the and what are they doing? Why are they clanging? What are these people doing? We you know, and it's a silent communic not not silent, but it's a wordless communication. Yes. Yes. between the people, and she says in her death speech, "Like we've always had each other, you know." And and it's so evident in the way that they're synchronized and they do this. And of course, we have the guy up on the bell tower with the, <laughs> with the big, clanking of the stone. There, that man is a spirit animal he, for sure. I fucking love that man. I love him, but <laughs> I just the reckoning start. St- uh, the reckoning stuff is. It's kind of, it bleeds through the entire series, and it's summed yes. up in her words in this quote, and I fucking love it. It's such a good moment,
0: because she, she's the one who's being oppressed, right? They're yes. in her home, yeah, keeping she's just her sitting, there.
1: She's just sitting in the chair, and she's smiling, almost coyly. Yeah,
0: yeah. and the way the guys start to get really nervous hearing exactly. the noise, and then she just Praise on their nervousness.
1: And like yeah, to play with them gets to it's, you, doesn't it? I mean, I just love that. <laughs> what are they going to say to an old woman? You know, she's know. not. She's not threatening, is she? Oh, bitch! Yes, she is. Even after she dies, <laughs> she'll get you again. So, Marva's my hero. Yeah, and yes. She... I would like. I would like to be friends with Marva. I would like to visit her every day. <laughs> I just love it. That's my. That's my final quote.
0: Oh, I fucking love it. That's
1: amazing. It's just with the clanking. <laughs> it that's such a smart and creative way to execute something like that and it's and it yeah. really it really shows how well they knew that community that they had built for this show. Yeah, the miners and the the usage of their elements that they have all yes. together as one. Yes. Using the using what they salvage, using what they work on, you know all these things, and it, they don't know. Anyone from the outside has no idea. I f- it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so it's brilliant. It's
0: really, it really it's is. It really is. It is some of the most incredible world building I've ever seen, and it's not piggybacking off of really anything else that exists except Rogue One. But even then, it's so different.
1: It's it's honestly we don't see anything else like it and we don't see much of it. There's a wreckage yard and then there's the community Mm -hmm. and that's all we need to see to have this picture. And it's really about the spirit of the people that end up making it more than what it is. The fact that they put bricks with ashes in them, right? Yeah. It's just a, what a cool concept. The whole thing from top to bottom is really smart. I think
0: I think so too, and the the it, that the brick thing in particular shows you the writers had an idea of what life on Ferrex was from birth to death.
1: Yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. So they had a general trajectory in their mind of like what a standard life would be like there, and they never bore us to death with exposition. Mm-mm. They no. don't explain; they just be. You know, like they just act, yeah. and we've we've caught. Onto it, you know, <laughs> like you don't have to explain and that's why I love this show. They just drop you in, and you're on your way. Mm-hmm. You know, like they never said that Yolaren was Yolaren, <laughs> right? <laughs> you yeah, know, you just, yeah, <laughs> you just put it together because holy shit, that's Yolaren. You that's Yolo- I <laughs>
1: that makes me so sad. It does me too. But like, God that's... damn it, Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> the pain. <laughs> Oh, say it with me the pain <laughs> the pain
0: <laughs> okay so my last one yes is i'm curious it's a saw Gerrera quote ah yes i was okay yes yes because i fucking love saw Gerrera. he's and it's really forrest whitaker but also this writing is all part of it well could I just, anyone
1: be saw oh,
0: after Forrest no whitaker? no no I know that there's a voice actor who plays him, but he doesn't bring the lunacy to the character the no. way
1: Forrest Whitaker does. Guys, lunacy is the fucking word. That was perfectly put. Because he's got kind of like wild eyes and a, and a wild hair yes. about him anyway, you know? like Yes. One You could see one if you catch him
0: on the wrong day, there's a exactly. wire loose, you yeah. know? <laughs> yep.
1: And he'll use that wire to blow you up.
0: Yes, he so. will. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is really just a, a whole exchange kind of between saw and Luthen, and i just fucking love it so very much but uh it's the part where saw says krieger's a separatist maya pays a neo-republican the gorman front the partisan alliance sectorists, human cultists galaxy partitionists they're lost all of them lost lost what are you Luthen? i never really knew what are you This is the line I love so much where Mm -hmm. he says, I am the only one with clarity of purpose. (laughs) And Luthen's response is, well, anarchy is a seductive concept, a bit of a luxury, I'd argue, to a man who is hiding in cold caves and begging for spare parts.
1: Now, first of all, round of applause for saying that (laughs) to Saw face.
0: Yeah, right? He actually laughs in his face, and Saw gets so offended.
1: <laughs> and, and But he doesn't kill him. There's an odd amount of respect there.
0: <laughs> yes, after he says that, Saw gives it. you see this minuscule fluctuation in Forrest Whitaker's eyes where he's like, am I going to kill him? And then he just, his face softens, and he just laughs, and he's like, no sale today, Luthen." Yeah. Actually, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you, you just don't know which version of him you're going to get. But I've talked about this quote before. I love it. It's brilliant. And I love like the dark humor that Stellan Skarsgård brings to the whole situation. But I wanted to talk about the specific words that Saw uses, because I kind of did a little research on them. Okay, you can look them up in on Wikipedia, and they'll give you, like, a very vague reference within the Star Wars universe, but I looked up what they mean in our universe. Okay. So, a sectorist, spelled the way they spell it, is actually a Romanian word Oh. for a police officer who is in charge of a very specific area that he patrols. Okay. Makes sense. So, so if you the think sector. of this in terms of, that, yeah, like, in the rebellion, there are, like, Little areas that little rebellions, like little partisans, whatever you want to call them, they're like in their own little spot, right? And they patrol that area and they say, yeah. fuck you to the empire, but they're yeah. not part of the larger, the larger picture. And when he says human cultists, we know the word cults. We mm-hmm. know like what that means. But specifically what it means is a cultist is one who exhibits great devotion to to a person, idea, object, or movement, yes. and a human cultist implies anti other species. True. Yes.
1: Oh. Ew.
0: So, and they actually yeah. talk about that a bit in um, *Rebel Rising*, how there's some talk about how Saw will work with another group, and that group hates humans. You know, it's like it, it's just interesting to think about the like quote unquote racism among. Yeah, Even the Alliance,
1: you know? What's interesting, though, is that I never get an overarching... I never get a sense of galactical racism in Star Wars. Because it seems like they're all pretty chill with all these different alien and humanoid species. It's just, ironically enough, (laughs) they're trying to eradicate the Jedi. (laughs) Right. Like... (laughs) <laughs> they're trying to wipe out a set of individuals that are strong in the force. And it's yeah. it really any race, as long as they're strong in the force. It's really yeah. crazy. So it's it's interesting to look at it from this point of view that, yeah, I guess I never thought of it. Like uh, What's the term again? Cultist. Human cultist. Human cultist. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I mean, it's got to exist. I, I, I believe it. Well, and like
0: Saw has a really good perspective on it because he has been... A partisan, basically, because he was not a separatist nor Mm -mm. into the Republic either back in the Clone Wars when we met him. So he's always been like on the fringe. So he has this whole other perspective of rebel fighters and how they and even here where he won't work with Antor Krieger, you know, Mm -hmm. because he's an ox, you know. Yeah. But the other word he uses is a partitionist, and that is a very specific term that talks about dividing politically, dividing up a country. And so, mm. like Ireland was partitioned mm. um, in 1912, India was partitioned in 1947, both by Britain, by the way, oh. um, <laughs> the oh British Empire. Well. Yeah, and what they do is they take a country that exists already and basically chop it in and actually put up delineating areas like walls and mm-hmm. shit like that and make new pieces of government that run each of these areas and so he's talking about people who are local policing who are racist who are trying to divide you know places that already exist that might even already be united mm-hmm. and this is why what Luther is saying to him about we have to work together he's like that's never gonna happen yeah <laughs> yeah and I just enjoyed digging deeper into that because, uh, like, on the surface, yes, we get it. But if you want to dig deeper, that you know, they did when they wrote it, right? Like, the whole use of the word sectorist
1: is yeah, that's very not, specific. It, it, yeah, there's somebody on the writing team knew. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, these are all factions of developing war and the underbelly yes. of it. And, and I think it's really smart. And I didn't know any of that. But it lends a depth to that scene now.
0: Yeah, it makes Saw seem less crazy. Yeah, which is crazy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because he's saying it with this like crazy look in his eye. But if you think of it, it's like, this is his perspective of why it's never going to work. And Luthen has his head in the clouds. Whereas Luthen is looking at it from, if we don't do this, we literally will not be able to stop
1: the Empire from growing to the point where it will overwhelm us. True. I mean, they both have their points. Yeah. I still think to this day that Saw Gerrera, as a character, he was wronged, He's he feels guilt that will never go away, mm-hmm. and he is out to get people because of it under the guise of fighting against the Empire. Yeah. I think he doesn't know what else to do with himself. No. And I, I do think in time when he meets others he does this sort of conversation with luther he even meets jin you know his world gets expanded a little bit he begins to connect with others and i think it does transition over to fight the empire we see it kind of like when mm-hmm. he lets jin go in rogue 1 yeah there's a greater purpose there but he's at the end of his line and he probably sees all the mistakes he made and the generalizations and the and the and the very focused need for revenge Mm -hmm, To hurt mm -hmm. those that hurt him and that sort of thing. I totally get all of that. But it's nice to see him kind of expand away from that in a way by the end. I I think he's
0: so interesting because he is just not defined, really. He kind of is... And this is also what makes him scary sometimes is you're never sure what you're going to get from him. And that's why I love that scene between him and Jin when she first sees him on Jetta because he really does love her. He really thought he was mm-hmm. doing the right thing for her. And mm-hmm. she's like, you just fucking abandoned me. And he's like, I think of you every day. It's like, what? <laughs> well, he's <laughs> probably, know,
1: like- he's been abandoned, and he's probably abandoned so many people that to him, it's just a, a day that ends in why. But to her, it meant right. more.
0: Yeah. So he-, he was just protecting her, and that's what it takes, so that's what you do. Right. It's very cold and very... I don't want to say data driven but cuz it's not data driven <laughs> it's more like emotion driven but it's like his experience is it makes it difficult for him to have the the more sentimental side I guess or maybe because his sister died he doesn't want the sentimental side but right I just enjoy watching that cuz he's again he's nothing like any character you find anywhere else he's so yeah. far from a cliche that is so incredibly fascinating. And we know very little about him. We mm-hmm. see him. He drops in and out of stories. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that's enough for you to get a pretty good sense of, like I said, the lunacy.
1: <laughs> the lunacy of it all. <laughs> yeah. I do love him for it, though. <laughs> all of these individuals are great. And and there's so many others. There's so many other lines. <laughs> there's so many other characters with stories. and I mean, we didn't even touch on Karis Nemec. <laughs> You know, I know he's got a whole episodes worth of lines that we could talk about, and we'll just have to do some more episodes where we just break okay. down our favorite quotes. Cause... Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> our audience question this week is: What is your favorite quote from Andor? If you had to pick one, I know it's tough. We know. <laughs> We just did this. (laughs) It's very hard. (laughs) But did we mention one of your favorites? And if so, which one? Let us know. Next week,
0: we are diving back in to some Obi-Wan and some Clone Wars. We are going to discuss Obi-Wan Kenobi and Ahsoka's relationship. Leanne and I are going to pick our two favorite moments with them. And then we're going to generally discuss how Obi-Wan might have influenced Ahsoka throughout their time in the Jedi Order together. Yes, she had two dads. uh, She had two.
1: She did. She She had two fathers and one mother, Padme.
0: (laughs) Weird. (laughs) And Uncle Plo Koon.
1: Yes. (laughs) So of the comments that we got about our last two stories from A Certain Point of View, The Empire Strikes Back, all of the comments were this. We loved this so much we went out and bought the book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've gotten several messages and so has Lauren saying that. So, I mean, we weren't trying to sell anything this week, but I guess hey, if you go and read it and you find a story that you love and want us to talk about, again, let us know. Enjoy the book. It's super amazing.
0: And we're awaiting our check, Disney, whenever you want to send it.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See you never. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Thank you so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. We appreciate every single one of our patrons and are grateful for your support. If you'd like to support the podcast and become a patron as well, head over to the Most Things Kenobi Patreon. As always, you can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate us on Spotify and Apple. That really helps us out. And if you need just one place to find all of these, head over to MostThingsKenobi.com.
1: So until next time, my space twin, may the Force be with you. Always.